Hi, welcome to today's program. This is Kennedy with Living on God's Word. Today we're going to be reading Hebrews chapter 9 from the Jesus Bible NIV edition. We'll review key takeaways and end our session with a prayer. So let us begin. Worship in the earthly tabernacle. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room where the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread, this was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablet of the covenant. Above the Ark were the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order, the blood of Christ. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom, to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of the cows, together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll in all the people. He said, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with the sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ 
did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest entered the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is the end of the reading. So here in Hebrews 9, we see the description of the tabernacle, how there's two parts to it, where you have the holy place, where you have the consecrated bread, but then behind that second curtain, you have a room called the most holy place. And this is where you have the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. And obviously inside the in the ark, you have the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff, and the stone tablets of the covenant. And then above the ark, you have the cherubim of glory overshadowing the atonement cover. And this room was so holy that only the high priest, after he had um, offered sacrifice, and blood in terms in order to cleanse any sin that he had committed or any unintentional sin of the people, but he then entered the most holy place. And so now it's compared this old covenant was still not good enough because it had to be done over and over and over again. So Jesus came to do as the high priest to do one final sacrifice, to give the perfect sacrifice that no human could give, and instead of animal blood, to have human blood, his own blood, Jesus' blood. Blood that would help separate the sin from the people of God. To wash away that sin so that forever, so that God, who is holy, could now commune again with its people. So God spoke very clearly from the very beginning that sin leads to death. And so when we sin, there has to be a shedding of blood. So the animals function as a substitute for people, so that the animals die so that people could continue living. But Jesus came and he became the sacrificial lamb who would die for the sins of the world. And Jesus was unblemished, the perfect sacrifice, meaning that his relationship with God was never broken because of sin. So when Jesus died, that sacrifice was for us, for all of humanity. And when Jesus returns to earth, it's not going to be to bear sin, but it's going to be to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He offers forgiveness, and all we have to do is accept this by faith, in faith. So let us pray. Father God, thank you for for giving us the sacrifice of your Son. Lord, you're holy. You are most worthy. You are the only one who's worthy. Lord, we, we're not worthy of you. We never have been. We never will be. 
but we thank you for showing grace, for showing mercy, and for making us worthy, Lord, for sending us your Son so that through that shedding of his perfect blood, we were allowed to enter into your presence. Because Jesus, who had the perfect relationship with his Father, with you, Lord, whose relationship was never broken the way ours was when we sinned, Jesus had the perfect relationship and continues to have into all eternity, has never been blemished, because he made himself a sacrifice for us. You accept us now, Lord, because we are now able to be in front of you in your presence because you're holy and you cannot tolerate or be together with sin. So we had to have a sacrifice being to be offered on our behalf so that we could be in front of you, so that we could commune with our Father. So we thank you, Lord, for seeking us, for not abandoning us, for not letting us be after we detach ourselves from you through our sins. We thank you for you coming back to us and offering a bridge back to you, Lord. We love you. We thank you. And we offer these prayers in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus. Amen. This concludes today's reading and interpretation of Hebrews chapter 8. We hope that you will join us again tomorrow. God bless you. This is Kennedy, your brother in Christ, always.